0: Happy holidays from Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. Over the next two weeks, we will be sharing two special episodes featuring former students of Laurie Pierce from DePaul University. If you haven't heard our conversation with Professor Pierce, please listen to episodes seven and eight of the podcast. Our conversation today is with Michaela Clark, a graduate of DePaul University who is now a fellow at the Equal Justice Initiative. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of the Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars uh, Conversations. Today, I have Michaela Clark from DePaul University, Actually, she's no longer at DePaul University. She proudly graduated in 2019 with a BA in African and Black Diaspora Studies and Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies uh, from DePaul University. Uh, at DePaul, uh, as an undergraduate, she um, already had were facilitating restorative. Uh, justice workshops and participated in the Inside Out Prison Exchange Program with men incarcerated at the Stateville Prison. Um, and uh, since graduating, she had joined the Equal Justice Initiative, which is an amazing organization in in Alabama, and uh, and uh, she's there as a justice fellow. Um, I am so glad to have you here with us today, Michaela.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. I um, am so excited to speak with you again. And yeah, it's it's been a little bit since I've been at DePaul, but um, definitely excited to talk about the work and just anything else. So thank you for having me. That's right.
0: Me. You graduated now over a year. I mean, you your wings, you spread your wings, and you flew pretty far south. <laughs> That's right. All the way south. Um so I I must say that uh uh maybe you know what we should do? We should tell the audience a little bit about how I met you. Um I uh I was your portfolio at DePaul uh popped up into in my radar and I think it was through some searches that I was doing and um and I just came up came across your portfolio. And, um, and I thought, wow, this is really good content, because I was looking at the time at, you know, some sort of Black Lives Matter, um, uh, uh, just looking up some information, and uh, actually, especially about arts um, in, in, um, in, in racial justice, and, um, and, uh, and your portfolio came up. And I, Started looking into your portfolio and seeing some um, like images of arts in the urban Chicago area that no longer exist in the world. They've been taken down, um, and um, but through your portfolio, I got to learn about them and and view them. I'm not sure it's not the same as seeing in person, but um, it was still a really amazing piece of history. And so from there, I actually ended up looking through your portfolio and it was just really amazing. I had no idea who you were <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I didn't even know, I thought you were a student. I didn't know you were graduated already, uh, but I um, decided to um, contact you and just say, hey, thanks for putting this up. And then we, we um, ended up um, connecting on Zoom and started talking um, and that's how we got to know each other
1: yeah yeah and I I was so shocked to receive your email I was like what the CEO of Digication is looking at my capstone I was like what this is just <laughs> very strange <laughs> I wasn't sure um, how to respond but I thought it would be a cool opportunity especially because you were just reaching out and wanted to learn more and um, this project was something that I definitely was proud of um Before I graduated, it was a wonderful way to end my time in the African and Black Diaspora Studies um, program, as well as just as an undergraduate student in general. Um, And so there are definitely some edits that should be done to that project. It was um, quite a bit ago, and I even looking back at it, I'm like, oh, I could have done this a little bit differently. But uh, yeah, I was just very interested in investigating how public art and um, public spaces contribute to community organizing and how they, they kind of set a foundation for what we see today. And even though some of these public art spaces are no longer around, I still very much believe in the power of storytelling through art and um, how a community's identity, it can be, can be preserved. Um, through public institutions and the people that are there and who have been there uh, and who are moving into more abstract organizing spaces
0: yeah that's uh it, it's that's definitely very fascinating to me i um, as I think I to- shared with you i my background is um, I went to an art and design school and um, when when the, um, all of the Recent civil unrest events that's happened you know one of the one of the things that I started looking into was into the arts because that's a place where i I find comfort and find a lot of um, you know different ways to relate to that are you know that can help me re- emotionally and 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 seeing that part of it being documented in your portfolio was really really quite helpful and it it also speaks to how many different aspects of um racial justice and 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 different areas that you can study and and how 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 many ways that we're impacted um absolutely. right absolutely
1: and even to to learn that little piece about your background was um surprising and unique to me because i uh, to be honest, have not seen many um, CEOs of large corporations take an interest in this artistic space and um, have a real like, personal invested interest in how art plays into this racial justice moment. Uh, so I, that was definitely something that stuck out to me in our last conversation and uh, definitely a piece I, I enjoyed and appreciated hearing from you.
0: Well, I I wanted to ask you a little bit more about this undergraduate experience that you you had at DePaul because I spoke with Laurie, um, your professor, uh, your capstone course professor. Um, she's really just inspiring to my core, uh, and uh, I I want to get a, your take on what. What that experience was like. Maybe tell tell us a little bit about how do you how does that major work, and how do you get to the point where you can do a capstone, and what what is a capstone project?
1: Yeah, so um, the capstone project is typically for students graduating with a major, or minor in African and Black Diaspora Studies. So it's usually done towards the end of your coursework um, to kind of just. Cap, capitalize on everything that you've learned and just wrap everything up um, and so that's kind of the the um, intention I went into this course with um, and honestly I was thinking that I, I had no idea what my topic would be when I first entered um this course in my last quarter at DePaul University um, and we're we are on the quarter system so it's 10 weeks it's pretty quick um, And we probably get less time than most other students um, to to complete like a capstone project. Um, And so I went into this thinking that we are just going to be writing a really long paper and that we were going to spend the quarter researching and developing a written paper. Um, And the first day of class, Dr. Pierce was like, I think we're going to try something different because I think in the past, they have done papers. I don't think um, before our class, we were ever using the Digication platform. Um, And I hadn't used Digication since my freshman year in our writing class that everyone had to take. That was my last experience with Digication. And so I was a little bit anxious about what that might mean for a project that essentially would be summarizing my major in African and black diaspora studies and just, um, seeing it as a closing of that period. Um, but throughout the class, you know, we were learning along with Dr. Pierce, like every, everything that education can do. But I think in particular for my topic, um, it was really important for me to include imagery and imagery in the forms, of, in the form of poems and songs and, um, pictures of these murals that existed and um, having that visual aspect and that, the space to create something that uh, viewers can experience as well as read about was something that um, it definitely took this capstone project to a whole other level. Um, And that is one of the reasons why I, I am so proud of it because I mean, you can definitely take the text off the, web page and put it into a paper and, uh, make it cohesive and to be read, but you lose that experience element. And that was something that I really wanted to convey. I wanted to place people in a different time period, uh, in conversation with these artists that were, um, gathering together in like the fifties and sixties, um, and up until this current moment today, but also, um, by the end of my capstone, I don't necessarily make a definitive statement because I believe that community organizing is changing and organizing for black liberation is something that evolves depending on the moment. Um, and so I don't think the work is done. I don't think we're at a point where we are in a liberated society. And I think, um, the methods for how folks engage with this conversation will change over time. Um, and there is absolutely a place for the arts. And I think it's something that we all have to kind of experience together. So um, that's a little bit about the class. And we we had lots of workshopping sessions where we talked about our overall experiences in ABD. Um, and what we see as what we see could be improvements in the overall coursework um, and then by the end we presented our our capso capstones to the rest of the class and um, the the department chair and other professor in um, the department so that was a it was a so, really cool experience
0: what was that like when you saw your classmates they all did different things you in your case, you were talking about using, you know, arts and public arts in community spaces and doing community organizing, specific, specifically in Chicago South Side, right? Right. Um, other people did other things completely different from yours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what, how did that feel as a classmate of someone else doing these other drastically different projects in the same class?
1: I think that's what one of the most beautiful things about ABD is um, that there are, because the diaspora is so immense and vast, like there are Black people of all different um, specialties and, pro- and professions all across the world. And I think um, being able to be in a classroom where there are uh, different interests that people have and the fact that we're able to teach each other about our, our specialty, um, that was really cool. And we were able to give feedback throughout the course, um, in these workshopping sessions, it was a pretty small class. So we got to know each other's projects pretty well. Um, and I just think that's one of the beautiful things about the program in general, that you do have people coming from all different backgrounds and, um, in my case, uh, since I was a double major with Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies, I definitely wanted to merge the two. I feel I felt like that was a match that made sense to me, and it was definitely a struggle getting other faculty members, uh, not just in African and Black diaspora studies, but in Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies to see how the two fit together, um, and so... Similarly, I think other students were coming from different backgrounds. You, you mentioned Jack and his political science background. And so he brought politics into his uh, ABD capstone. And um, my other friend, she comes from a film background. So she was able to incorporate film studies into her project. So um, I definitely think there, there is so much room for other interests in this work
0: what I think is so beautiful is is that there is a an education model a classroom um, that uh, a structure of that classroom that is um, is not taken advantage of by many classes and that is to allow for students to have the freedom and to trust the students, to believe in the students, to be able to go in and and research on topics and and bring like you said, bring together your background, your interest, your passion, your knowledge and your life experience. Um and and it's through that kind of sort of intense research and and feedback and sort of collaboration um, but yet you are working on these, you know, these different topics, and but yet you you get to learn from each other in. I feel like in pretty personal ways. Um, so, I I would argue, and by the way, this is, this is very much part of my own learning experience as well. I I was, I was, um, you know, in an art and design school, studied architecture. We had a similar type of thing where, there just isn't an easy way to just say here are the 15 things you need to learn to be an architect. You know, there were, there were just an infinite amount of, you know, uh, possibilities. And so, you know, we gave up on let's learn the 15 things. Instead, we just pick the few things that each person was really interested in. And you can almost always have a very unique point, point of view because there are too many things to pick from, but you go really deep, each of you. And then, as a group, what I think is really fascinating is that you get to almost learn, maybe not to the extent that someone else did when they were doing the, the research, but you, you learn quite a bit about their perspectives too throughout right. the semester. And I would say that sort of the net knowledge gained is better, higher, more in-depth, more passionate than if you had taken everyone's topic. Like you said, you talked about your topic, your friends talked about film, and Jack talked about politics. And if you were to somehow, if Laurie, as a professor, put together some kind of, you know, multiple texts for you to read and just sort of teach a regular class. I just don't feel like that you would go nearly as far. So I think that that net result, you've all gained more, um, by doing it this way.
1: Right. Right. And, and I definitely hear you too, when you say that we, we kind of had to go and create the reading that we wanted to use or like go and seek that out on our own versus having, um, dr pierce hand us a bunch of readings and and she definitely did give us things to read and like think about as we're um going through our topics but yeah i i definitely appreciated that independent aspect of being able to um take our passions and research and put these extra these um tangible elements with it um and I, I do think I'm a better researcher for it. And I think I'm able to articulate uh, what I'm passionate about in academia better because of that class.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of that, now tell us what happened after you graduated. I mean, you are—you've got the coolest job that I anyone I know have. Um, in the world, um, so tell us about that. I mean, you, you, you. By the way, have had some amazing people in your life. I feel, you know, I feel like Dr. Laurie Pierce is one of them. Um, but now you have EJI. Um, tell us about the Equal Justice Initiative and how you got there.
1: Yeah, so the Equal Justice Initiative is a human rights legal organization in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, started by Director Brian Stevenson. And um, we've since expanded, this is an organization that's been around for 30 years, um, as a law office working on cases related to the death penalty, specifically, and other prison condition issues. Um, And we've since expanded into this racial justice space. Uh, because we noticed in the criminal justice system that clients are affected by race and class. Um, And that's something that just cannot be ignored any longer. And it's rooted in this history of racial injustice. So two years ago, EJI opened the Legacy Museum from Enslavement to Mass Incarceration and the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Um, And these are two cultural sites. People come from all over to experience um, the work and the research that we have here. Um, And Montgomery is such a unique city as well. It's the birthplace of the civil rights movement, but also the cradle of the Confederacy. Um, That's language taken from the the Alabama State Seal. But (laughs) um, Yeah, and so this city is so unique and that it has a very Uh, real history of enslavement as well. And um, it was a major player in the domestic slave trade. Um, And so we track that history from then until um, this this era that we named the era of racial terror lynching, which is what the memorial is based off of, um, where we document over 4,000 victims of racial terror violence, Black people who were lynched across the United States from 1877 to 1950, Um, and then we, in our museum, we track that history to this resistance to the civil rights movement and how that ideology that was created from enslavement and from the genocide of Native peoples that were here, um, this ideology of white supremacy did not just go away with the passage of legislation and Uh, Then we bring that to this current moment of mass incarceration of Black and people of color. Um, And so as a justice fellow, I have been working on the racial justice team, specifically with the Community Remembrance Project. Um, And we do lots of research for um, individual victims and also these massacres that happened during this period of 1877 to 1950. Um, And we work alongside communities Um, to share the history of their own communities. And we don't believe that we can get to a place of healing and reconciliation without first telling the truth about what happened and uncovering that and naming how this history has impacted entire communities and families and individuals. Um, So I I committed to this two-year fellowship. It's Lots of researching. I was very interested in um, EJI as an undergraduate student when I had the opportunity to visit Montgomery before the sites opened. So um, I already had my heart set on returning uh, when I had the opportunity to visit as a DePaul student. Um, And so after graduating, um, I applied for this fellowship that I saw, and it was a very quick turnaround. Um, I like sent in the application next month. I was called down for an in-person interview. And then the next month I got a job offer and there's like, Oh yeah, can you start in January in a couple weeks? So, uh, it was very quick, but I I do believe in, um, the timing of things and it, it really came at the perfect time. And, um, it was something that um, I had my heart heart set on for years before coming here. So,
0: well, I'm sure that it wasn't as simple as you made <laughs> it out to be, uh, Michaela. You, you know, you you know, you clearly are brilliant, and um, and I don't know whether you know, having done your capstone projects has helped you at all, but. But it feels like that the type of approach, the type of research that you're able to put together in order to complete a capstone project um, must have come through just, you know, in the way that you, um, you tackle projects. Like you said, you're a better researcher from having done it. Um, Absolutely. So um, I, I'm sure that that, that itself is worth something. And I, I would, i was going to also say that um, it this is really a wonderful outcome that you're able to work at such a, a prestigious and important and, and a great job um and it it's you are like a real living proof of of the importance of liberal arts education and and the ability to to think and research and 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 to ask questions uh, these are such important skills so that sometimes you know uh, higher education get get a get a get beaten up by 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 the media you know saying that hey why am I paying why should someone be paying so much money and getting in so much debt into this and i'm not by the way necessarily arguing that high, higher education isn't expensive but i am arguing for <laughs> that for the fact that we still need higher education it, it shouldn't be thought of as hey why don't someone just go to some boot camp and just you know learn a trade and be done um and I'll, uh, you know i just think that higher education still holds a very important part of uh what our society needs um for, for for a large number of people, you know, that could be there. That that's that's really a a, a really realizable path for them.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you're definitely speaking to the need for spaces where we're able to think through these complicated subjects and really just talk things out talk things out with each other and uh, reimagine what the future could look like. And I I definitely am grateful for my experience in higher education, even though, you know, I am in debt (laughs) because of it, but, um, I, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to, um, dig into a passion that I didn't necessarily think was there. And it definitely gave me the opportunity to, um, learn from peers and, um, be able to, but language and research and words to a better future. Like what, we, where we can go from here? Um, because I do, I do believe that something better is waiting for us uh, in the future. We just have to create it, and we have to be willing to work with each other to create that future.
0: So, so last time you and I talked, it was pre-election. <laughs> it is now post-election. Um, and uh, today, in fact, it's November sixteenth, and I, um, I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but I am. Uh, uh, I went to the EJI website, and I actually just discovered this today. I didn't see this from before. I don't know why, uh, but there is something called a history of racial injustice in the website, and it's so cool. Um, I signed up for it and I, I now, I, I suppose I will be getting daily emails from yes, your yeah. calendar <laughs> entries, and, um, and, uh, can I share a little bit of what I, what we have today? Absolutely. So today, um, on, yeah, on November 16th, 1900, this is 120 years ago. Um, a teenager who's only 16 years old, a black teenager, um, Preston John Porter Jr. was burned alive while chained to a railroad, um, railroad, railroad stake, um, in Colorado, and this is with three hundred white people from throughout the county gathered in participation in this um, public spectacle lynching. Um, so this is this is the type of. Research that you were talking about, um, and I mean, you know, reading this, you know, I think should be sufficient to make anyone who has any kind of, you know, who has a heart to, to, to have it sink, um, and to, to, but, but, like you said, in if we don't understand a history, um, we won't ever be able to tell what the truth is and we won't be able to act and improve from there and, and grow. Um, And and so, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I I just wanted to say on that, um, that event for today, that community in Colorado actually erected a historical marker this past weekend to memorialize Mr. um, Mr. Porter. And um, we, we, are part of these projects erecting historical markers to build this narrative into the physical landscape, to create some permanence that when people can go and visit communities, they see this this history as well. It's a a permanent confrontation with truth in a way. Um, So um, thank you for raising that story on this platform and um, being willing to sign up to learn more um, through our calendar.
0: No, absolutely. I look forward to um, to um, to getting all of this into my inbox and and, and getting you know, like you said, ha- knowing the knowledge, having the ins- information, um, gives us power, gives us strength, um, and and uh, so much of this um, can get forgotten otherwise because it's just one person, it's just one boy, um, right? And it's so easy to have this, just have, have forgotten about it, and so easy to to have not recognized it. And based on your work and EJI's work, um, we now get a chance to to be more informed. and And this is just so important and so beautiful that you're doing this. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Um, I. I was going to ask you uh, maybe a little bit of a, as an alum uh, uh, of DePaul, uh, it feels like that you probably had a pretty good experience at DePaul, um, especially towards, you know, this, uh, this part of, you know, you know, the, the, the subject in ABD. Um, And uh, would you have any, what what would your advice be for students? Maybe you know doing the undergraduate studies. It doesn't have to be at DePaul, really. You know, any students. So going through this idea that, hey, look, I'm I'm taking on a student loan to do this. Um, what would your advice be?
1: Yeah, and and this is this can apply to DePaul students and beyond. Um, but I I definitely. Think that I was challenged by going to DePaul, but I feel like because I found a community in the African and Black Diaspora Studies Department that um, pushed me to, that, that made me stay. That made my experience worth it. And um, to be able to learn from such incredible faculty and also being able to um, imagine and dream and just talk and theorize with other ABD students was really impactful, um, on my time at DePaul. And so I think my general advice would be to find your people, no matter what institution you're at and find those professors and mentors that will push you to, um, uh, think beyond, um, your, the boundaries of your comfort zone, um, find those, uh, other students that push you to think differently and imagine um, how you can uh, take your own personal experiences a step further and be more um, and like think on more of a global basis versus just always centering the the United States. Um, So I I definitely think that ABD has helped to shape um, and give me the confidence that I needed to, graduate and go out and pursue different opportunities that I, I may not have otherwise came to on my own, so.
0: Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I'm sure that this is uh, these words will mean a lot to, to those who might be in similar situations or those who might be, who are teaching a class and have students in that situation. Um, so thank you, Michaela. Um, uh, I think uh, I, I look forward to touching base with you and seeing what cool stuff you're doing at EJI and beyond. Meanwhile, I will um, be uh, getting your daily emails <laughs> and uh, I'll be uh, thankful every time that I, I get those emails. And, uh, and uh, I thank you again for joining us today at Education Scholars.
1: Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm really happy that we had the opportunity to connect again. I think uh, you're an incredible person and you're doing incredible work as well. So I definitely appreciate you providing this platform and space to speak with me.
0: Thank you. Take care. The Digication
1: Scholars Conversation Series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albenetius. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for listening.